0: Good evening and welcome to this week's Shia on Rashi, coming to you from the Mizrahi Bet Midrash of Melbourne, Australia. And we will start with a Rashi of the Week. Yay. And this week's parasha is Bechukotai And for those listening in Israel, we're not one week late, we're 53 weeks early. <laughs> and in Perak Kaf Vav, Pasuk Yud Bet, we have my second favourite Rashi in the Chumash. My first favourite, my most favourite Rashi is Shemot Peret Yotet Kaf, which you might remember because we've talked about. And second is, it's not bad, and it's this one. So before the Tochachah, before all the curses, are the blessings. And there's um, 13 Pesukim of good things happening before the bad things happen. And nearly the end of the good things happening is we reach the level of this. "Vehit halachti betochachem. I will walk amongst you. Well, it's a funny grammatical form. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Hashem says, I will walk amongst you. And I will be to you as a God. And you will be to me as a people. So what does it mean, I will walk amongst you? Now, first of all, two things to mention. One is the parsha begins with, If you walk in my chukim, my statutes, the response will be, I will walk amongst you. But it's not the regular verb to walk. It's which is it's reflexive, which is why Rashi says it means atayel I will stroll with you. There's a difference between walking and strolling, or between and hit Strolling is going somewhere, just for the sake of having a nice walk. It's what we do on Shabbat afternoon, where rather than going from A to B, we're just like walking around. So Hashem is so close to us that he's walking around with us. Ate'er eden. I will walk with you in gan eden, which brings us back to what we're learning in Bereshit. mikem, like one of you. And then Rashi goes on to say, below mimeni, you will not tremble from before me. Then he says, Yochal, you might think, Lo Tirumi you won't be afraid of me. Talmud Lomar, the pasuk says, Vayiti Lachem Lelokim, I will be to you for a God. So what's Rashi saying here? So, first of all, the technical aspect. Why is Rashi saying what he's saying? Because the pasuk has got various bits to it, and Rashi's explaining how they fit together. Because Vahitalachti betochachem" sounds a contradiction to Vayiti Lachem Lelokim. And I'll explain why it's a contradiction in just a moment. And Rashi's resolving the apparent contradiction for us. So what's the deeper meaning here? Why is this an exciting Rashi? I would suggest it's as follows. I think one of the hardest things, probably the hardest thing, that we all have to do, especially in modern times, especially in 2019, is have a presence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu in our lives at all times. That sense that Hashem is always with us, whatever we're doing, whether we're doing the right thing or maybe even when we're doing the wrong thing, that sense of closeness to Hashem. I think it's hard to achieve in this day and age. But if one can achieve that, then one has another challenge. And the next challenge is to get the balance of Ahava and Yira just right. So we're always told that our relationship to Hashem is oscillating between these poles. Loving Hashem and fearing Hashem, or being in awe of Hashem. Loving Hashem, to put it very simply, is we do what He wants us to do just because we love Him, just because... We want to do what he wants us to do. Fearing Hashem is more a sense of reward and punishment. We want to be rewarded. We don't want to be punished. It's also perhaps the difference between Hashem and Elohim, Midat HaRachamim, Midat HaDin. It's all in there, in the balance, trying to get the balance right between Ahava and Yira. If there's too much Ahava, we become too over-familiar with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. If there's too much Yira, we're too far away. We're too distant from the Kodesh Baruch because we're too scared of him. We have to get that balance right. That's the second thing we have to do. The first thing, as I say, is to have that sense of Hashem in our lives. And then when we got to that level, then we need to get the balance right. So says the Pasuk that in the future, in some, maybe Mashiach it's not quite clear exactly when it's going to be, but at some culmination of blessings and perfecting our relationship with Hashem. He will come to us, the and he will walk amongst us. And that's really, really familiar. That's really, really friendly. And as Rashi says, like he walked Well, he says he will walk in Gan Eden. And we remember, by the way, that what what, what was Adam afraid of? What did he hear? The voice of Hashem, mitalech, walking in the garden. So Hashem, so Rashi says that this Pasuk means in the future, imachem like one of you. Now how close can you get? Hashem is like one of us. Says Rashi, that's why the next words are, lelokim. They're in opposition to use a fancy word to the first part. betochachem means I'll be very close to you. And you will not tremble from before me. Now trembling implies Rashi is not good. It's too scared. It means we're too distant from Hashem. So the good thing about what's going to happen in this future time is we will not tremble. But does that mean we'll get too close, we'll get too over familiar? No, says Rashi. You might think it means there'll be no Yira at all. Tamud La, lachem l'elokim. He will still be our God and elokim is lashon midot adin and it's lashon, it's the same aspect of uh, relating to Hashem through Yira rather than through Ahava. So what Rashi is telling us is v'talachti v'tochachem is the opposite or if you like the contrast of v'ayiti lachem l'elokim but in the time to which this is referring there will be that perfect balance and it will be just right. Just the right balance of Ahava and Yira. Okay, back to Bereshit. And the first thing to say is, after the Shia last week, Avia came to see me and very, very politely pointed out that perhaps I'd got something a little bit wrong. And it, she's talking about the word um, tatzmiach, tatzmiach lach. So in Pasuk, Peret Gimel, Pasuk Yudchet, the quotes for Darada tatzmiach lach. And Rashi said, on the words Tatsmiach lach, Ha'aretz, the ground. So what it means is, the ground will sprout for you thorns and thistles. And why did Rashi have to say, the ground? And the answer is, because Tatsmiach is a grammatical form which is ambiguous. It could be second person feminine future, sorry, second person masculine future, strictly speaking imperfect, or third person feminine. In other words, it could be you will do something in the future or she will do something in the future. This particular construct is um, ambiguous in Hebrew. So does it mean he's talking to uh, Adam and saying you will sprout for yourself thorns and thistles or does he mean the earth, feminine, third person, will sprout for you. And for various reasons, which I don't want to go back into now, it doesn't make any sense to say you, Adam, will do the sprouting. Um, as Avia's father pointed out, tatzmiach uh, is an intransitive verb, so it can't mean that uh, you will... S- you can't say that you will s- sprout thorns and thistles. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, but OK, as I said, let's not go there. I'm going to get too complicated. But Rashi needs to tell us it's tatzmiach. Uh, referring to the ground is the subject, third person singular, feminine, rather than you will do the sprouting, second person, adam, masculine. Okay, that's what I wanted to correct because I said it wrong last week. Now we are up to a sort of new section. And in fact, Rashi says it's a new section. We're all the way up to Peret or Pasat kaf. So we finished with eating the fruit. We finished with the curses given to the snake and to the woman and to the man. And we now come to Pasukah. Vayikra ha-Adam shem ishto chava ki ha'ita Aim kol chai. The Adam called the name of his wife, his uh, chava, because she was the mother of all chai. So as Rashi is about to say, chava, chai, the words relate to each other. That's why she's called chava. What does Rashi say? So Rashi on Pasukafa yikra adam harishon. The pasuk returns to the first matter. In other words, it now picks up the thread of what it was talking about earlier, but there's been a deviation and Rashi will explain why there was a deviation. So what was the inyan harishon? Namely, vayikra adam shemot, which was in Peruk Bet pasuk Kaf. Adam called names to all the animals, and now he's still calling names. So Rashi says when he was calling names to all the animals, the next continuation of that matter is that he's calling a name to his wife as well. He's still in the naming sort of uh, mode, uh, and that's why we're now returning to that section before. But why didn't we just carry on at that point. Why didn't it say he called names to all the animals and continues and he called name to his wife? So Rashi has to tell us why that didn't happen. So first of all, Rashi said, we've gone back to that previous and that matter, which means what, what Adam is doing now is a continuation of what he was doing then. But now the question is, so why didn't we go straight into this Pasuk back then? And the answer, says Rashi, is, V'lo he speak spik, eilalamdecha, it did not interrupt except to teach you Sha'alya Nizdavga lo Chava. Because of the calling of the names, i.e., to the animals, that's how he got united with Chava. Kamosha as it writes, Ula Adam lo matzar After Adam went through all the animals, he didn't find an ezer Kenegdo, a help opposite him, which is what Hashem had promised him as a partner therefore the next pasuk was Hashem made a deep sleep him fall into a deep sleep and then well let me just pause for a minute so what Rashi is saying is Adam named all the animals now the continuation of that is naming Chava but after he named all the animals the Torah had to go down a different path before it comes back to naming Chava, because there was a consequence to him naming the animals. Namely, he realized he couldn't find a partner. So Hashem made him a partner. He made, Hashem made Adam fall asleep, and he took a tzela, either a rib or a side or, or part, half of him, and he made that into Chava. And then he brought, Hashem brought Chava to him, and they were united. And then the Pasuk goes on to talk about how they were together. And it says, and I'm going back into Rashi, and then, because it says they were naked, it then joined, it then juxtaposed the parsha of the snake and the whole thing about eating the fruit. Why? What's the connection to them being naked and that leads to the parsha of the nachash? Well, Rashi's already told us, but he reminds us here because he's pointing out the thread, how one thing, literally, one thing leads to another. So, lehodiachah, um, this comes to tell you, shemitokh shera otam arumim, because the snake saw them naked, vara otam asukim v'tashmish, and as we've already said, the snake saw them engaged in having relations, aver la, he desired her, the snake desired chava, uba aleihem b'machshava uba mirma, and he came on them with plan and cunning, or... Uh, nasty plan, Uh, bad plan. So that is, says Rashi, um, what's happened in terms of the sequence of what's recorded in the narrative. The narrative is going by a uh, one thing leads to another before it gets back to continuing where we left off, as it were. So we left off with Adam naming the animals, but we we have to. Uh, the consequence of Adam naming the animals was that he didn't find an Azer connecto. So Hashem made one for him, and then Adam and Chava were together, and they were naked, and they were occupied in having relations. And that's why the Nachash saw them and planned to kill Adam and get Chava for his own sake. After we dealt with all that, we finished that whole story of the Nachash. We return to the story of Adam naming the uh, Chava. Now it's still not so simple. Because the question can be asked is, when does Rashi think this Pasuk should have been written? So if we're sort of going out of order and this Pasuk should have been earlier, but we've explained why it wasn't, but it should have been sort of chronologically earlier, when would it have been? When did Adam give Chava a name? Now, it couldn't have been before the animals were named because there was no Chava. Uh, Because we see clearly, as Rashi said, that Chava came about as a result, or after he named the animals. Nor could it be um, immediately after naming the animals, because we had to go through the sleep and the separation of the tzela from him and making her into Chava. Um, So it seems to... What I understand from the Mephoshim is that Rashi's not saying this is out of order, per se. Now, if you look at Peruk Bet Pasuk, no, sorry, Perik Gimel Pasuk Aleph. Now Rashi had a similar comment there, but with a slightly different expression. So the end of Perik Bet, Pasuk Kaf He, was, the two of them were naked, and they were not embarrassed, Perik Gimel Pasuk Aleph, etc. And Rashi there on Pasuk Aleph says, Ma What's this got to do with this? What's the nachash got to do with the fact that they were naked and not embarrassed? Hayal <laughs> Now look at Rashi's word here clearly. Hayal <laughs> It should have joined. <laughs> the pasuk kaf alaf, which we're about to get to, by the way, um, Hashem made for Adam and his wife garments of skin. Well, we'll, we'll explain what that means, and he clothed them. So, in other words they were naked. So as a response to them being naked, Hashem makes them clothes. And that's what we should have read here. Now look at, notice the difference in Rashi's expression. In Perik Gimel Pasuk Aleph, he says, It should have joined a different Pasuk to the end of Perik Bet. In our case, Rashi just says, What's the difference? It seems to me, that in Perikim or Aleph, he's saying it is actually out of order, that chronologically something else happened. In other words, what happened after they were naked is Hashem made them clothes. That's what happened next. But the Torah doesn't record that. The Torah goes out of chronological order to tell, put in the whole story about the Nachash because it follows thematically, but it's actually out of chronological order. Rashi doesn't use that phrase here. He doesn't say, it should have joined something else. It just says, now it returns to the previous matter, uh, and the reason there was an interruption was to teach you, etc. It seems to me, I didn't see this explicitly inside, I I think maybe the Mephoshim were uh, alluding to this, but it seems to me that because of this difficulty of when else could Adam have been giving Chava a name, answer, no other time, there's no other time that fits. Rashi's not saying that this is out of chronological order. He's just saying thematically it would have made sense to... No, not even that. Sorry, thematically there's a link between naming the animals and naming Chava. And that's what he means when he says Chaza <laughs> He doesn't mean that it's out of order. He says, but now we're picking up the theme that we had before and we're connecting naming Chava back to naming the animals. That's what I think Rashi is doing there. And Rashi spelled out bit by bit why we had to go down all those different paths because, as I keep saying, one thing led to another, but now we're back on track, now we can get back to the theme of Adam naming things. And the next Rashi, I'll assume there's no questions, is on the word Chava. So Rashi says, Nofel al Chaya. The word Chava falls or is appropriate for the word Chaya. So the word Chaya doesn't appear in our Pasuk, but there's something to do with Chai is the last word, and Chaya is like living thing, Chava is connected to the word Chaya because, although Rashi doesn't spell it out, Yud and Vav, and we can also throw in Aleph and Hay, are all pretty interchangeable. There are many, many instances where a Yud is replaced by a Vav and vice versa. So that's what Rashi means, but Chava is close enough to Chaya. More than close enough. It's an appropriate word. Why doesn't he call it Chaya? Any ideas why he doesn't call it Chaya? Because what does Chaya mean? It means a non-domesticated animal, or wild animal. It's not very nice. I-, I called my daughter Chaya. Maybe I shouldn't have done. Um, um, but Adam called his wife Chava rather than Chaya. And perhaps because Chaya especially when we're talking all about Chaya Tassadar, we've mentioned it quite a few times, the beast of the field. It's not nice to call your wife a beast. So he calls her Chava, but it's related to the word Chaya. Now, continues Rashi. Why is she called Chava, which is related to the word Chaya? She gives life to her children. And then Rashi brings in a proof that the word, uh, the Vav and Yud are interchangeable. Ka'asher Tomar, like you can say, the Pasuk in Kohelet, So the word hover is really what we'd expect and we'd translate as if it were Hayah, um, but Hover and Haya are interchangeable because the Vav and the Yud are interchangeable. So that phrase, and I wonder why he doesn't put it a few words earlier, actually, because um, it, it really explains Losh, and Chaya. Ah, oh, no, sorry, now I get it. So she's called Chava, which is related to the word Chaya, and she's called Chaya because she mechaya et She gives life to her children, and um, Chaya is close enough to Chava H- as we can see from the passage in Kohelet. Now, um, is that an appropriate reflection? Is that, does that match what the Pasuk says? What does the Pasuk say why she's called Chava? Aim <inaudible> <inaudible> kol chai. Yeah. And what did Rashi say? Something completely different. Yeah. <inaudible> <inaudible> Machaya et l'valototaha. Yeah. She gives life to her children. Why does Rashi reject the idea of aim kol chai? Is she not the mother of all living? All ah, she's not the mother of the animals. So that's that would be a problem to read it as aim kolchai. Now look just by the way how Unculus deals with this. Onkelos, in Pasuk Kaf says Ukra Adam Shum Itate Chava So Onkelos, who normally translates word for word, and if he doesn't quite, it's very significant, he takes the words aim kolchai and understands them as ima Kol bene anasha the mother of all humankind, of all people. Why does Uncleus change the words? Because it's to exclude the animals, because she's not the mother of the animals. So instead of saying kol chai, which means the mother of all living, he reinterprets it and changes it, and that's why it's significant, as ema to kol b'nei anasha, the mother of all humans. But Rashi doesn't like that. Rashi doesn't take the same tack. Because, Rashi says, it doesn't say mother of all humans. It doesn't say mother of all humans. So how can you translate it as mother of all humans? So then we're stuck. If it's not mother of all humans, it would be mother of all living things. So Rashi says that's not what it means at all. It means not mother of living things, but the mother who gives life. And that's why Rashi says it's machaya et Vladoterra," Because she is the mother, she's the first mother in history... She's going to bear children, which well she's actually already born children, but she's going to bear more. And she is therefore one who gives life to her children. And it seems that that's why Rashi rejects Aim Kol Chai, because she's not the mother of all living things. Rashi rejects Unculus' approach to restrict Chai to humanity, because that's not what it says. So he says Eim Kol Chai doesn't, isn't to be translated as mother of all living. That's not the translation. It means the mother who gives life to her children. And that's what Rashi says here. Okay. How is that do unique? Does that imply that none of the animals are So the female animals also give life to their children, you're asking. You're saying, sorry, for the benefit of the tape recorder here, you're saying... <laughs> I say tape recorder, I'm so old. <laughs> uh, you're saying that... Um, if Rashi understands it as should apply to other animals as well because their females give life to their children. Um, um, without thinking it any further, I would guess maybe they do, but they don't deserve a special name because they're not humans. Right, they des- a human deserves a special name. Okay? But it's not unique. The, the function is not uniquely human. Yes? As a I'm uh, named all the animals. I think he's named the species. He hasn't called like the dog Rover or Dingo oh, yeah, yeah. or something. Like, You're going to assign names. Like it would make sense if you were going to name the Chava as the mother of all, like her offspring. While naming the animals, to name these outside. But what would you have called them? So you'd have called a female dog um, Chava yeah. and a female elephant Chava. Maybe well, I mean, a female. So, so, uh, but I think no. I think here's a difference, and your questions actually are exposing it, and it's also, perhaps, challenges what Rush said at the beginning of the past, that this is the same, or it's the same Indian as naming the animals. He, there's a big difference, and I think this is this it tells us something about humanity between naming the species, dog species, elephant species, and naming an individual. That your individual is called John, Paul, or George, or Ringo, or, or, <laughs> Ringo. Yeah, very good, uh, or some of you noticed, what okay. <laughs> or Chava. So he's not naming the species. He's giving this particular woman a an individual name. That's probably a stronger argument for Uncleless. Stronger specific. argument for Angulus? Specify. Like, Yes, except it's not the same as Onkelos, but maybe yes. no, you're saying Onkelos is, is identifying this as a unique feature of humans that they get a name. Maybe, okay. Yes? Just with respect to Isha, Chava's name before, she was Chava. So in she was America, just Isha. Chafgimel. Yeah, ha Adam was also the one who maybe not called her that, but attributed that name to her. She, he called her Isha. But like Yikare Isha. Yes, yeah, so it's not Adam necessarily. Okay. It's, it's female of the species should be called woman. Okay. So that's the Mazat Yikare Isha. Yes, I think that means this, th- this is a generic name for all females. They'll be called Isha. As opposed to Chava, which is a personal name. Okay. Okay. And then would he be Adam? That's. Well, it's interesting. I, I thought you were getting there. He's, nobody calls him Adam. And even he's still called Ha Adam, which sounds like it's not Adam; it's the man. Yeah. So it, it sounds like nobody gives him a name. But then, but then he is called Adam. Um, At the end of that pasuk is Kime Ish Yeah, no. Again, Ish is, is is species, male of the species, right. right? Man, as opposed to as opposed to personality, as opposed Adam, to Adam. Adam. Yeah. Yes, but I also noticed that. Um, well, the next pasuk we uh, it's Ad, ha adam and in peradala posik alaf it's ha adam um i'm just wondering if he's ever called adam yeah always, uh, I I that well, yeah yeah we're ha adam all right well well adam you got adam without ha adam well adam yeah where it's uh, zain hirik Perik Gimel perigimo Yod your uh, la, la Adam. Yeah, to Adam. He it's, not, it's not La Adam. Okay, sorry for Ian. Needs further study, but it doesn't sound like Adam gets personally named like Kavadath. Okay, next Pasuk is Pasuk Kaf Aleph. So, as we, we preview this Pasuk, because Rashi promised us it was coming, Hashem Elohim made for Adam. And for his wife. It doesn't say Adam and Chava, but it doesn't say the Adam either. Anyway, Ketonet Or. Well, let's re- leave Rashi to explain what Ketonet Or is, the Yahweh Shame, and he clothed them. One of the midot of Hashem that we have to emulate is clothing the naked. This is where we get it from. Okay, Rashi on Ketnot Or. Yesh divrei agada omrim chalakim katziparan hayu. So there are those, there are the words of the story, the narrative, that say they were smooth like fingernails and they would cling, they would stick on their skin. Whose skin? On Adam and Chava's skin. Let's read on to see the contrast and then we'll try and understand what the difference between the two is. And there are those who say, Something that comes from skin, kagon like wool from a rabbit, shahurach Vaham, which is soft and warm, lahem and he made from them clothes from it, he made for them clothes from it. So there's two ways, says Rashi, of understanding the phrase not or. What are the two ways? Clothes for their skin. Clothes for their skin, or? Clothes of skin. Of skin. exactly right. So the first, attempt, first version of Rashi, the first sorry, suggestion of Rashi, is, doesn't mean clothes made of skin, but it's clothes that stick to the skin, skin clothes, skin-tight clothes. Uh, why? Because they're very um, fine, they're very smooth. They're obviously something supernatural, something we're not familiar with, but they're very special, divinely made clothes, which are very smooth and some sense of perfection and they cling, they stick to their skin. And the second Pashat is Rashi saying kotanat or is clothes made of skin. Although, interestingly, they're not made of skin. What are they made of? Wool. So, why, why does Rashi to say they're made of wool when the Pasuk says or? Now, or is skin or flesh or hide or, or the sort of leather things. Uh, that's what or actually means. But so, why does he make them out of wool? So, the suggestion is what were Adam and Chava not allowed to do? Kill animals. Very good. Kill animals. Well, kill animals for food. So, maybe we can extend it and say they didn't kill animals for clothing either. So, he didn't kill animals to skin them and use their skins. So Rashi wants to say, with that in mind, perhaps, it's not literally or, but it's something that comes from the or, i.e. wool. Why not sheep's wool, which probably was more common? Uh, we're about to meet a sheep farmer, in fact. Because they're something very special from Hashem, so they're more special than sheep's wool, they're rabbit's wool, which is rach vacham, which is soft and warm. Yes? Do both interpretations, is it significant that both interpretations speak about soft or comfortable material? I guess yes, because these are divine clothes. So they're going to be super special. They're going to be something, um, I'm trying to find the right words, I'll, I'll descend to there's something amazing about them. They, they're not the sort of clothes that Adam and Chava can make for themselves. And by the way, Adam and Chava have made for themselves clothes out of fig leaves. So, as we saw earlier, and we talked about this, why does Hashem need to make clothes when they've made someone's clothes? Because their clothes weren't very good. They were probably pretty cold and chilly wearing fig leaves. So, Hashem wants to give them proper clothes. But if Hashem is going to give them proper clothes, they're going to be something divine. So, I think that's the answer, or it's following on from what you've noticed, that whether it's the first interpretation or the second interpretation, they're special. There's a difference between Hashem making clothes and Adam and Chavo, who, after all, could have made their own clothes. But these are... Clothes which have the hallmark of being divine. Yes? Um, I'm just curious if the word like is used in other cases other than here and obviously Yosef. Because if like, is there otherwise is there any connection drawn on not at all? Um, but, like, I was trying to think, I was trying to think, of anything. I was like, okay, yeah, you got. There might be, but. Got the whole in your head. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> no, if you did. I don't, I'm just trying to think of, think of anything. But okay, I don't. I, don't like uh, I can't think of anything. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. Obviously, Yosef springs to mind. Katanat <laughs> pasim, um, which, by the way, okay. Rashi says katanat pasim <laughs> is not an overgarment; it's an undergarment. Um, I don't know, and I certainly can't say there is no link. And I'm sure. Some people want to make a link, and it sort of does cry out Dorosheni a little bit that they both get get katonet. So you're looking in the uh, concordance, which is the thing to do, uh, or we can do it with a uh, computer technology, which makes it very easy, and we can check up before next week. Let's move on to pasuk kafbet. So this is really difficult to understand what Hashem is saying. He says, "Hain, behold, the man, still Ha'adam, has become, or is, like one of us. Lada tovara, knowing good and bad, and now, pen yishlach yado, lest he stretch out his hand, v'lakach gam me'etzachayim, and take also from the tree of chayim, tree of life, v'achal v'chay la'olam. And he will eat and live forever. Now, by the way, there were two trees. There was the Eitz Hadat and the Eitz Chaim. The precise relationship between the two is not clear, but Rashi's, Rashi is clear. But there was one Eitz Hadat Eitz which they shouldn't eat from. They were specifically told not to eat from. And they did. And now Hashem says, I don't want them to eat from the Eitz Chaim either. Now, any problems with this verse? Who's us? Who's us? Good, prob- good question. Why? Why do you have a problem with Who's us? Because there's only one Hashem. Now you could say there's malachim, and we've seen that Hashem talks with His malachim. But then still, how is Adam and Chava become like one of God or malachim? Any other problems? Well, okay. Lekach gam. You're commenting on gam. You say it sounds like he's already taken from the Eitz Chayim. Okay. Uh, he did take from the Eits of Dad. Well, he ate from the Eits of Dart. Yeah, but he didn't take it. Okay, his wife took yeah. it. took a gufa. Okay? Um, but he hasn't <laughs> taken from the Eight of Chaim. Okay, there's another problem I want to point out. What's wrong with Adam living forever? Why is that something that Hashem doesn't want to happen? So Rashi is going to answer these questions. So on Pasukah Bet, Hayake Echad mimeno. Harei hu yachid betachtonim. Kemo sha'ani Yachid elyonim. Behold, he is. Now how are we going to translate Yachid? Singular. Singular. Yes, I was going to go for unique, which obviously comes from the same root. He is unique amongst the lower creatures, the people on the creatures on earth. Kamo sha'ani Yachid Ba'lyonim. Just like I, Hashem, and unique amongst the upper world. Umahi Yachidoto. And what is his uniqueness? Ladat, <inaudible> tov,. knowing good and bad. Masha, kain Babahema Ubachaya. And that's not the case with animals and beasts. Now, how does Rashi translate "mi meno? He doesn't translate it as "like one of us." And why not? Because that doesn't make any sense. Because man has eaten from the tree. He has not become like one of the heavenly beings. He certainly hasn't become like God. Although, interestingly, what did the Nachash promise Chava? If what would happen if she ate it? He said, you will become... Um, so it's interesting that, at least in the simple words of the Pasuk, um the Nachash said if you eat from the fruit you will be like God knowing good and bad and Hashem says it sounds like he has become like one of us knowing good and bad so it's a little bit interesting that according to that way of reading the words Hashem is indeed validating what the Nachash said would happen but Rashi doesn't read it like that so we're not going to dwell on that Rashi says Ke mimeno" means unique like me and I suppose mimeno is the royal we it's like me talking the plural or referring to like like us up here us in heaven um he's unique down there i'm unique up here so rashi has avoided the very strange idea of he's become like one of us because that makes no sense whatsoever that's why rashi translates ke'echad as yachid as unique or singular now what is his singularity which he didn't have before obviously this is the result of eating from the fruit So now he is Yodeya Tov Vera. Now, I've said before that we're all very, very interested in what is the nature of what happens when you eat the fruit, what changed in in the world, in humanity. Rashi doesn't really go there. He just gives us a few hints, and it sounds like Rashi's really not bothered by the big question. And I think you can explain this in one of two ways, which are not really mutually exclusive, but they are different. Either you can say... And this would be, I think this probably is the better interpretation because it's consistent with what's gone on, on previously. Yudar tovara is a sense of proprietary, of knowing what's a- appropriate and not appropriate. I- I'm minimizing uh, the idea of good and bad. So we've seen clearly that Adam and Chava understand there's something inappropriate, but they didn't think was inappropriate before. What was that? Being naked. Being naked. So it said very clearly at the end of Perak Bet, they were naked below Bashashu, and they were not ashamed. And then after they eat from the fruit, they suddenly realize it's inappropriate to be naked. They hide, they cover themselves with fig leaves. And that is, according to some, what Yodeya Tovara means. And even though that's sort of a little bit less than we might have expected, it fits with the Pasuk. Because that's what distinguishes us from animals. Animals have no sense of impropriety. Animals do not mind being naked or acting in animalistic ways in front of us. And by the way, Rashi h- uh, uh, highlights this because his last words, at least on the section we've seen so far, came keim v'heim So the uniqueness of Adam is Ladat Tovarah, which I'm translating as having a sense of proprietary, of proprietary, propriety, knowing what's appropriate, and you don't find animals knowing that. And that, says Hashem, is now the problem, because now Adam is, what's the problem? Yachid, unique, because all the other species don't have that quality. Adam does, and now he's unique, and that's not good. He's unique like I'm unique, says Hashem, and that's not good. Or you can say, L'dah Tovarah is knowing good and evil because now the Yetzahara is inside Adam. And that is also consistent because... Rashi on um, Bet Kafhe, that's the one where they were naked and not embarrassed, Rashi said, Lo nitan bo ad achlo Hashem had not put into him the Yetzahara until he ate from the tree. Ve'nichnas bo Yetzahara, and the Yetzahara entered into him. ma ben tov and then he knew what was the difference between good and bad or between appropriate and inappropriate. So, we talked about this before. The eight Sahara was not Nitanbo, was not put into him. The eight Sahara was external. How do we know the eight Sahara was external? How do we know there was a Yitzhahara? Because Adam sinned. Adam and Chava sinned. So there must have been the eight Sahara causing them to sin. What does it mean? It wasn't put into them until they ate. It was something external. Where was it? in the fruit. In the, not in the fruit. In the Nachash. The Nachash was, either you can say the Nachash was the Yetzirah, maybe that's going a little bit far, but the Yetzirah was the words of the Nachash which were external to Adam and Chava. And then he goes into them. So again, I said, well, I, the reason I said these ideas are not mutually exclusive is Rashi himself says, when the Yetzirah goes in, they then know the difference between good and bad. Or you can say, and I think this does fit better, the Yetzirah goes in and they know the difference between appropriate and inappropriate. So here, you can either say they know the difference between inappropriate and inappropriate, that's what it means, or they've got a Yetzirah, which gives them the ability to choose. But what does the Yetzirah tell them? The difference between appropriate and inappropriate. So that's why I mean that they're, they're not really different. Let's carry on, because the Pasuk then says, V'ata pen yishlach yado v'lekach gam says Rashi, says Rashi, and if he were to live forever, he would be close to making the rest of creation make a mistake, after him, eloka, and say that he, Adam, is also a god, or has, is divine. So that answers the question that I asked, that what is so terrible about Adam living forever? It sounds a really nice good thing. A bracha. And you could say he doesn't deserve a bracha, but that's not what he says. He says, there's a, the apostle clearly says there's a problem with him living forever. And the problem, says Rashi, is that would be close to confusing the um, rest of creation and they would think that Adam is a god. There's a few references, and I'm about to point you to another one, of Hashem is very concerned that People will make the mistake and think Adam is a god. The Torah is very bothered by Avodah Zarah. The Torah is very, very keen on there only being one God and everyone recognizing that there's only one God. And I'm saying that this, this, this thing that Rashi mentions in at least two places is consistent with the thrust of the entire Torah, that Hashem goes out of, its way, out of his way to make sure that people don't make this mistake and ascribe divinity and start following non-gods as if they were gods. Now, where else did Hashem say this? Where it said, It's not good for man to be alone. And Rashi said there, Very good. I was just coming here. Thank you. Parak bet pasuk yudchet on the words vayama Hashem elokim lo tov hayot haadam lavado. And Rashi says there, while he's alone without a partner, why is that bad? Shal lo yamru shtei That they rest of creation should not say there are two powers. Hakadosh Baruch be'elyonim. Hashem is alone in the upper world, and has no partner. And this one in the lower world and has no partner. That would be bad because people would compare Adam to Hashem. So, what's the solution? Give Adam a partner. And then he will not be Yachid, but ulama. So, the question then is if Adam has a partner, then it's sorted, problem solved. Nobody's going to think he's a god. So why does Rashi now say in our Pasuk, Gwimul Kafbet, that if he lives forever, people will think he's a god? And you can answer that by saying, and I realize that I asked the question, well, if he had no partner and didn't live forever, he would look like a god. Or alternatively, he could have a partner but live forever and it's that quality that will make him look like a god. But if you look carefully in Rashi, here in our Pasuk, it says, Harehu karov l-hata'ot acharav He he is close to making the rest of creation make the mistake after him. In the first instance, it was sort of passive. It was Adam being alone, that will cause the problem. Here it's active. The fear is that Adam himself, enhanced by his immortality, will tell other people that he's a god. It's, it's him being active, uh, taking an active part in the process of misleading the rest of creation. And it's, it's significant that Rashi here says, Hu karav to'ot acharav. So the, the problem of him being alone, that's been solved. So that's no longer a problem. So the objective fact is not going to cause people to think he's a god. But he himself could cause people to think he's a god based on the immortality that would come from eating from the tree. And let me just finish off. And Rashi ends this comment with, There are narrative midrashim, but they don't fit precisely with pshat. Now when Rashi says that, and it's not clear why sometimes he says that, and he's going to say it very soon again as well, and most of the time he doesn't say it, it sounds like he's telling you, it's a good idea to go and look at the midrash, because the midrash has got some really good things to say. They're not pshat, they don't fit with pshat, which is why I'm not going to bring them in my parish, but they're worth seeing. So I I realise that doesn't really answer the question why some midrashim are worth seeing and some are not, but that perhaps is what Rashi means when he gives this little note, which he does in a few places, saying there are midrashim, they're not pshat, the implication is go and have a look. You had a question. Why is Hashem not worried that Chava could become a god? Okay, I, I realized as I was talking, and I'm following the script here of the Torah, and I'm saying Ha'adam, and I'm saying he, and I'm actually quite conscious of that question, I, I do try to actually to always say he and she, when it's he and she, but the Pasuk here just says him. I presume that it does mean both of them. And particularly when you said about if it was Chava the one who... If Adam now himself is the one who's enhanced, could mislead others. If Chabba was the one who, say, gave it to Adam and could, well, maybe if that's also, I don't know. Well, the, the, the could Chaba mislead other is well. the, is the scenario which doesn't happen. Is eating from the tree of life, the Eitz Chaim. Mm-hmm. Okay, so neither the meat from that. Sure. So, but you're saying, if Chabba was the one who gave to Adam and was the one who misled in the first place. Yes. Would, so if this is the, the fear that Adam will be of like God by misleading others actively now. Could you um. Okay, I don't know. I can only I, I would suggest one of two things. I'm not quite sure which would be better, or maybe there are other answers to your question. Either Haadam means both of them. Um, which is a bit gendered if you like, because we quite clearly haadam, as we said, refers to the man. So it's a bit unfair for you to use it to refer to both of them. Or maybe Chava's not going to mislead creation. Adam being Adam has got more of a propensity to do that sort of thing. Maybe. Yes. as opposed to the animals would imply that that's not at all to just You're quite right. You're quite right. You're saying by the fact that other that Rashi is saying the is talking about the species. The species is your de tovara And it's certainly well there's only two people alive at the time. Actually there's four, we'll come to that soon. Um, actually, no, it, that would be um, seven, we'll come to that soon. <laughs> I promise. Um, um, it, but certainly Chava, having eaten from the fruit, clearly, is your de tovara. So you're right, it makes sense that she must be included in Ke'achad in, uh, Mimenul, because she is also a Torah. So we have to say that Ha'adam refers to the pair of the humanity, which is a bit tough, because Adam also refers to Adam on his own. So it sounds like she's sort of being subsumed, at least in the way the Torah is referring to them. Yes? Can you couldn't make any difference, like, from the, that she's that like if she came from him, then people might look at him as like the creator of her. But since she like wasn't sort of created on her own necessarily, I mean, then you yeah. kind of come into the like Peret-Bet, Perpet Gimmel. Like, yeah, okay, the I'll two I'll So you're asking because because at least in Perpet Bet she was created from him. Does that mean that the people who would see him as the god and not her? because he's the one who's, as it were, given life to her. I don't know. She also Maybe. Just she also became also Kolchai. So I think, given all of this, the most likely explanation is Ha'adam means both of them. And then we're left with the question, why does it say hadam, not something that would be more generic? Ha'ishla, Ha'isha, or something. Okay. So what does Hashem do to stop them eating from the eight Ha'chayim? Pasuk Kaf Gimel. Yishalachehu, Hashem Elohim mit Gan Eden Hashem Elokim sent them from Gan Eden I've just noticed that shalach is in both cases in the previous passage pen yishalach Yado, and that's responded to by Yishalachehu. maybe that's interesting and he sent them from Gan Eden avod et Hadama. sorry he sent him oh it gets even worse it says he sent him from Gan Eden <laughs> If to Haadam, I think it works there. Like yes, but yeah, but she's but she's going out of Gan Eden as well. She doesn't stay in <laughs> Gan and <Eden>, He's outside. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, so he sent him from Gan La la'avod et haadamah to work the land asher lukach misham, which he had been taken from there. Rashi doesn't actually say what Lukach Misham means. In fact, he doesn't say anything on this Pasuk. Presumably, it's referring to the dust of the earth which he was originally created from. So there's nothing to say for Rashi on that Pasuk. So we'll go straight on to Kav So the subject is still Hashem. He drove out the Adam, and He Hashem made dwell Mikedem LeGan Eden. And I'll tell you straight away that Rashi says that means east of Gan Eden, the Kruvim, some sort of angelic figures. The Et Lahat HaCherev. Now Cherev is sword, Lahat is blade, and the relationship between the blade and the sword, Rashi will explain. Hamitapechet revolving Lishmor Et Derech to guard the way to the Eitzachaim. So Rashi says, "Mikedem legan but Mizracho chutz So, the east of Gan Eden, outside the garden. Now, there, I think there's three points to make. First of all, let's start with the end, chutz He could have meant on the east side of Gan Eden. So Rashi has to say it's outside the garden, which makes sense, obviously, because if you're going to put a guard, you want to put the guard outside to stop Adam and Chava getting inside. You don't put the guard inside because that's not so, such a good defense. The second point is he understands Kedem to mean east. What else could Kedem mean? What does Uncleus understand Kedem to mean? From the, beginning. from the beginning. The Ashrei Mila Kadmin, from previously. Implying that the kruvim and the revolving sword was there already. Rashi doesn't buy that. And I think... He prefers Kedem to mean East, but also it doesn't make sense to say that Hashem put the revolving sword there before the whole incident with the tree. And the third thing, the one that's quite explicit in Rashi, if you notice it, is Rashi's dealt with one letter, which is strange. And he's replaced that letter in his parish. Anyone? Yes, which letter? The Lamed of Legan. What's the problem? Because it doesn't sound right. Mikedem Lagan, east to the garden. So Rashi's telling you that, and he, there are other examples of this, that Kedem Lagan is to be translated as east of the garden. That Lamed does not strictly mean to, it can mean of. And look at Rashi, If you've, obviously some of you have noticed this, but Mizrachol Shel Gan Eden He's taken the gan Eden and replaced it by Shelgan Eden to tell you that that's what the Lamed can mean. Uh, let's just do one more phrase: Et kruvim Malache Chavala, angels of destruction. Now, some of the comments on this are interesting because where else do we find Kruvim? On top of the Aaron, um, and outside the Aaron on the Paroches. They were also Kruvim embroidered. And are they angels of destruction? No. They are children. Uh, Rashi says on the Kruvim in the Mishkan that they've got the face like children, based on the Gemara. And the Gemara quotes that Krov means child in some dialect. So why are children, why are Kruvim, which Rashi says himself, look like children, angels of destruction, Well, one answer is, if you have any children, you'll know why children are called angels of destruction. I just thought of that. Somebody else wants to say that they are lower level angels rather than the big angels who are not on destruction duty, but the junior infant angels are, at a lower level, they're angels of destruction. I've just got one minute to say the following. So we'll end the sheer. I just want to add one word which is not rushing. But I'll just say this because it's such an important idea. Pen yishlach yado, lest you stretch out his hand. The Rambam, it's not absolutely clear, but it seems that the Rambam in Hilchat Teshuvah uh, understands Pen in a different sense, not a negative sense, but a positive sense. That Pen, lest in, in I want him to stretch out his hand. I want him to stretch out his hand and I want him to reach the Eitzachayim. And I will put the Kruvim lishmor et derech etzachayim. What can lishmor mean? Not just God. But to keep, to maintain the way to the etzachayim, To show him how to get to the etzachayim, And what marks the path to the etzachayim? The Kruvim. And the message is, if you want to find the etzachayim, follow the Kruvim. And where are the Kruvim? On top of the Aaron. And what's inside the Aaron? Eitzchayim hi ba. We'll stop there. Imit Hashem. We'll meet again next week.